ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of Dissecting Virality. Uh, I would like to thank our listeners for tuning into this episode. And I, my apologies for not posting for the past two weeks. I've just been a little caught up with a few things in my life. Yeah. So anyway, uh, today's episode is a fun one. Many, many years ago, my parents' uh, favorite Marathi comedy talk show was sponsored by the folks at this travel and tourism company. Uh, one that promised like fulfilled dreams and happiness in the form of planning tours around the world. And never did I think that I would be able to speak to the creators of this wonderful company, a company that is, it's so fun when a company is only associated with like joy and fond memories from their customers or just people who have used their service. On today's episode, we have Neil Patil, who is the founder and director of Veena World. Veena World is a venture started by Veena, Sudhir, Sunila and Neil Patel in 2013. They're a whole family, mother, father and two kids. From a team of 35, they are now a team of 800. Um, I also heard uh, Neil's podcast recently and uh, I thought that why not? Because we are trying to cover all uh, aspects. Because so far we've done music, we've done films, we've done conceptual photography. So I thought travel would be a great thing to, um, you know, navigate through. So, uh, hi, Neil. How is it going? Hi, Radha. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure. Yeah. What have you been up to? Where are you speaking from? So I'm currently in Mumbai and, well, we've been working from home because, of course, all organizations have been doing that. So, mm -hmm. like, I'm speaking from my home right now and, you know, it's like, it's this cozy work desk that I have gotten made for myself over the course of the last year. So yeah. yeah, it's been it's been quite fun. And then, like you mentioned, I also have a podcast. So I have this podcasting equipment and all set up. So it's yeah. It's what kind of equipment going. do you have? I really have not invested in any such thing yet. <laughs> I guess when we when we started doing podcasts, we were also new to it. But the whole idea of sharing our ideas are content with the world was something that was quite intriguing and that's why we just started with a basic mic and then some headphones got it added on to it and then you know when you are first creating it you are also experimenting with it but now we have like four podcasts that we are launched we have launched so like how i'm recording with you there's like every day that some recording is happening not only for podcasts but for youtube also so well it's like a basic mic and headphones that we have and it's working well i would say as we as we go about it, we'll probably invest in more equipment at our corporate office. That's great. So uh, your office is also in Mumbai? Yeah. So like you said, there's 800 of us, right? So we have a whole bunch of sales offices in Mumbai and Pune. But when we actually launched, we decided that, you know, if a company launch a big company, we can't start small because you can't grow at a traditional growth rate in the travel industry because it is a crowded industry where everyone has a space for themselves but at the same time if you are able to come in with a bigger launch big bang bigger reach it will help you in the long run so when 2013 of course we had these branch offices but we started with something called a sales partner model and today in terms of outlets we have approximately 140 outlets all across india so all of these are like the sales offices so people can walk into offices people can go to our website and book but we sit out of our corporate office which is at Vidya Vihar if you are ever in Bombay do come visit us because that's a very nice office there's like around 400 of us that who usually sit 
well, given the pandemic, we have been working from home, but can't wait to go back to our office because we quite love our office. Yeah. So tell me more about the birth of Vina World. What was it like? Because I'm assuming you were really young at the times and it was a family venture. So how did that start? What were you all doing before it and things like that? So personally, I was in Australia and I had studied banking and finance. And the whole aim was to go into investment banking. So I came back from Australia in 2012 or start of 2013. And at the same time, my parents and Sunila who were, were a part of Kesri Tours. And in April, like the family went through a split and the organization went through a split and we branched out and we started Vina World. At the start, this was the 1st of April, we were five team members or six team members. That time I had to make a decision. Do I go to investment banking or do I jump into something where you're creating something from scratch, right? And given all of my experience at university, it has taught me that Creating a company is something that, you know, you can't attend a course for it. You have to like roll up your sleeves and practically do it. So we had a house in Mumbai and there were four bedrooms there. One became the marketing department. One became the business strategy department and so on. And that's how it actually came up. Five people became 35 people by the time we launched it in June uh, 2013. And that's how it happened today. Of course, like as we started uh, growing Two things that have been catalyst to the growth of Vina World have been the team and the undying support that our guests have put in us. So right from the first day, we had people saying that, when are you launching? When are you launching your first tour? And we have different concepts. We have things like women tours. We have grandparent, grandchildren tours. We have something called honeymoon tours or jubilee special tours because why why should someone go on a honeymoon only like you can keep going as a couple right so we have a number of concepts that have come about like that and it's the guests who have given us the power to like keep innovating and that's how it's been over the last seven or eight years so that was basically a little bit about how we started but those sleepless nights and everything at the very start oh wow like you know even that i remember them right now it's like it's it's like great because you did start yeah. with a huge bang i saw your name everywhere at one point i was really young at the time so i was say i was in ninth or tenth grade when uh, <laughs> your names are all over tv all over like zimarathi because my mom and dad would watch it all the time so it was i i always thought what is up these guys are everywhere why am i hearing this one because before that it was all kesri my grandparents would go on some trip somewhere then it was all Vina world. Everyone's talking about Vina world. So you mentioned that, right? Um, it so happens that every time we would launch something, every time a birthday celebration would happen at office, every time a milestone would be achieved. Because, you know, when you're launching the first booking, the 50th booking, the 100th booking, everything is celebrated and all of that. So we had this thing where, you know, you are 35 people, then slowly it became 100, slowly it became 200. We had this mm-hmm. thing at Vina world where we used to say, Facebook ko peela kar do because yellow is the, our brand color, right? And we were like, Facebook ko peela kar do. Aaj Facebook ko peela kar denge. And as we went about it, like the power of social media just helped us get our name out there. And everyone was talking about it. And that like that with, with then the first tour started happening and then the tour photos. Like, you know, it's that simple thing where one thing is shared by all 35 people, then 
even if 10 people see it you've reached 350 people but even if 10 people from that share it then you've reached thousands of people so that's what we experienced and it has been only growing ever since and that has really helped us and that's why i say that you know the team has been a strong catalyst to the growth because everyone has that ownership key we have created this over the last eight years and that's how it should be and i feel it's really important in a business model also because why would somebody like over traditionally planning your own travels planning your own uh, trips why would somebody ask like outsource that right so i feel like it's very interesting how people can like monetize it but also like make it better somehow so yeah so you know, you mentioned monetizing your holiday experience. We don't look at it that way. We actually look at it in a way that, you know, you have your hard-earned money. You have decided to invest it with us. You have given us charge of allowing you or helping you celebrate life as such. So yeah. our slogan is travel, explore, celebrate life. Because when you travel, you really like, you know, are easy. There's no stress and all of that. So we look at it as an investment and we have this thing at Vina World where we say that, you know, because people are investing their hard-earned money, we have no right to, you know, play around with that. We have to give them the quality. So that's yeah. why, like, that's that's the core uh, DNA that we work with. Yeah. What's it been like working from home? Do you like it? How has the pandemic affected you? The pandemic has indeed been challenging because the travel industry was the first one to get affected. And... Right. Often people say that, you know, could be the last one to get out of it because like mm. all government restrictions, all uh, countries fighting with each other, vaccines, this vaccine's approved, this vaccine's not approved and all of that. So it, it has been challenging. But even as we speak, there are currently 44 tours going on with Vina World. There are 780 people on road traveling all across India and slowly the world is also opening up. So that is also happening. We act, It so happens that we launched the first European tour and a couple of Russian tours only a few days ago. So that is also something. And by the time you have this episode out... And what happened during the whole yeah. 20th April period? So, you know, everything becomes zero. And in the words of Talib, it was a black swan event. And mm. you often don't like you don't account for black swan events right because often you think like but for a travel company it's zero business which means zero people doing bookings there are zero people traveling like i said 780 people are traveling right now but zero people traveling and no one's going to office so it was like wow like you know this has never happened before but you know if you watch the movie jab we met and that shahid kapoor goes like company abhi aisi hai ki niche aur ja hi nahi sakti aur upar hi jana hai so yeah. we decided to take that approach and we it allowed us time to look at a number of the processes that we have number of the products that we have had so a fair few teams have been working around the tech teams have been working the product teams have been working because the aim is we wanted to come up with newer products we already were catering to many categories of audiences through our tour concepts like women tours family tours and all of that but yeah. <clears throat> now we have brought in newer concepts for younger people also there's something called yolo that has come there's something called short treks that has come but speaking about the pandemic as such and working from home it was indeed challenging because see if you're part of my team and even if i want to ask you key like rather do i want to change this button color to red to blue i have to take a time with you i have to schedule a zoom call with you and 
that's like i could have just gone to you and i could have asked you right so working from home has its advantages and disadvantages the way we look at it but yeah it has been an interesting ride i would say it has taught us a lot and but so at has peak, yeah. at its peak uh, when mm-hmm. was the peak was it like 2019 before the pandemic how many people have been traveling like simultaneously the most number so at its peak pre pandemic we were doing 99000 tourists every year wow and so we have 350 tour managers who are exclusively with us so generally how travel companies work is that you know they will like they will go to freelancing tour managers and say ki are i have this group of people i want to take them somewhere can you freelance with me but we don't do that we have 350 exclusive people like okay. our tour managers are our tour managers and they aren't allowed to go to other tours but at the same time why do we do that because we go we have tour managers doing knowledge sharing someone may be a specialist in japan someone may be a specialist in let's say europe they are exchanging knowledge and when they are not on tour they have all of these training sessions knowledge sharing sessions that they undergo at the corporate office at our corporate corporate office we have a, i mean you have uh, to have an experience that is exclusive yeah. to you right you cannot just yeah. like have people doing the same thing So it's good yeah, that you're it's like the, the entire we don't call customers customers or clients we call them guests right so mm-hmm. there's a guest experience that we are charting out so mm-hmm. at our corporate office we have like a 70 seater like you can call it a mini theater where there's all these training programs happening so how you open a tour how you close a tour if you have to if you're going to the eiffel tower and if you have only 5 minutes how do you organize information that you tell tell like the guest about the eiffel tower in 5 minutes but at the same time you might be going to the eiffel tower and you may have a 3 hour bus ride how do you yeah. give information about the same place in 3 hours is all of that that goes in and that's why like 99000 tourists were traveling with us simultaneously sometimes there'll be like 5000 people traveling 6000 people traveling in different parts of india and the world so it's like antarctica is happening something as simple as a goa or a kerala happens so it's like mm-hmm. a different combination of things my friend wants to really get into uh, tour management like she wants hmm. to so what kind of qualifications does one need how do you hire these people so i think like you know this is quite overused by me at many of the interviews that i've given in the past of been to many of these guest lectures at colleges across mumbai mm-hmm. according to us you don't need a lot of qualifications hmm but you need one thing and that is common sense uh you need common sense so you meet 40 strangers at the airport and what is a tour manager's job a tour manager's job is to give them an experience that they will cherish forever but at the same time by the end of the tour these 40 strangers have to become one family so there a lot of common sense goes in and a lot can happen your bus could get a tire puncture you could get delayed by a flight which means all of the sightseeing goes ahead you might rock up at a hotel and be like oh rooms in here so right. there can be a lot that happen so common sense but at the same time understanding and being street smart and understanding about travel and destinations is quite important because the tour manager shouldn't just give instructions the tour manager has to give you information that's what the tour manager is there for right where are these people coming from though so these people have had experience uh, past experience with plan like travels and tours or who are so, they have they done like specific degrees in it what's it like so you know 
our tour managers, many of our tour managers have been to more than 50 countries, been to more than 20 states in India. Now, if you were to take all of these 350 tour managers, you will be surprised to find out that only 10% of them may have actually done travel tourism degrees. Hmm. Because when they come with travel tourism degrees, sometimes the mindset is very limited. What we are doing at Vina World in terms of our training programs is also a degree in itself. It's just not a certificate that you're getting. But you're, mm. you're becoming a tour manager. And when you're becoming a tour manager, you get that through practical experience. So one of our tour managers has done more than 90 countries and his name is Vivek Kotsrekar. And he has never been done a travel tourism degree, I guess. But he's been in the industry for 17 years. Yeah. Now, you ask him anything about it, like... He'd be like, okay, if this is the problem, we'll do this. This is the problem, we'll do this. So we have something where, you know, a tour manager should be of assistance to everyone in that destination. So there might be 20 tours of Vina World operating in Europe at one particular time. But if someone gets stuck somewhere, they'll call the other tour manager and they are helping out and everything. So that's how that's how we have like built the organization the dna is to like solve the problem first don't blame anyone and like mm. that's how that's how it really works correct so what part of traveling is the most fun for you is it like the planning research or the journey in itself or the obvious destination what is it i think for me the most the biggest thing that excites me about travel is food and like if you just go through my instagram feed like i'll be eating and different i'll be experimenting with food a lot but i don't tend to over plan a trip i like to go to a place and you know just be like okay let's explore this place and you know me and my brother raj have been to places like japan and hong kong and we've been like raj this seems like a tall building you know what let's go see the nameplate like the names of the places that are there and you'll suddenly see like the eighth floor of a random building has this secret bar and then you just go there and there'll be only three or four people sitting over there and no one else and that's like those are the experiences surprises are good when you're traveling but these come if you don't over plan a trip so i tend to just like you know book tickets book my stay and then we're like okay we'll go see places but often like you know there are some places like you know i'm sure many of us have watched chef's table on netflix and we want to go to the michelin star restaurants so if there is a place that is super nice everyone has raved about it and mm -hmm. Is not going to burn a hole in my pocket, I'll probably go there. But you know, that being said, I've been to, like, Tokyo has the most Michelin star restaurants in the world. I've been to one restaurant that was a two Michelin star restaurant, which means that it is among the best, best restaurants in the world. And I've had a not so great experience. So when you're doing this... So yeah. you're saying, like, you don't do your research before going. I thoroughly, even before going to a restaurant, I'll look at their menu on Zomato before going to the smallest little place. I would over-research. I mean, I wouldn't over-plan it, but I would definitely look at every, all of my possibilities. Think, See, yeah. there's good things and bad things, right? Me and my friends in here in Mumbai have a rule. When we sit in the car going to, going to a restaurant, we have a rule that, you know, we can't go to a place that either of, of us has been to. That's how you start exploring newer places. Now, right. you have to be prepared for bad experiences, right? Like, you know, otherwise, how will you find out the hidden gems of a place like Mumbai. Mumbai, I think, has about 45,000 restaurants or something like that, including all of the hole-in-the-wall restaurants and everything. So mm. if you over-plan, that is my personal thing. 
people have over plan and have great holidays mm-hmm. also right but mm-hmm. my personal thing is that sometimes it is okay to not plan and like i i sometimes don't like reading reviews because you know if you look at trip advisor and everything or if i'm traveling somewhere when the guide meets you or when the restaurant meets you before giving you the menu they'll give you the trip advisor qr code if you have a good experience please please write about us but yeah. i'm like you know agar log like if people are going to have a great experience with you they are anyways going to write about it so i'll circle back to our tour managers we have like we try to tell them that you give an experience where you don't have to say key feedback though it will anyways yeah. come but also like these people also work that's how they get more customers so i think for the seo purposes and everything i i quite work. agree see you are yeah. in journalism right and like i keep like joking with my guest relations team because when people have great experiences with us right and you should see the letters that keep coming in people will write poems about their tour people will like write great thousand word reviews about each and every aspect about the tour that they loved this is the place where you need correction and all of that Mm. but all of these positive reviews come to you come to your email inbox come to yeah. like you know your website but a negative mm. review goes on social media so Correct. and then people will only see the negative reviews but i'm like are ye to dekho na positive reviews hai so i understand like places of interest and amusement parks sightseeing places focusing on the trip advisor but and they have to do it because we are in the service industry we want to showcase our positive and negative side to it but when i'm planning it i don't look at trip advisor reviews i just go by my gut feeling that okay this place seems like a great place like last night i was at a restaurant called sun and moon korean restaurant in india it is a hole in hole in the wall that as like it started as a hole in the wall now it's a proper restaurant but yeah. it's a homely restaurant and i'm like not many people are coming here because you know this is not like in a place where everyone wants to come click photos and all of that so there was Correct. five diners in the restaurant we had a good time and that that was one great one great experience that i had was when i was in delhi uh, i read some blog post saying that the vietnamese embassy every friday uh, they their camp their canteen is open to regular public so you can just go in and they have like really cheap food and authentic vietnamese food so i thought like if i would have never come across that article i would have never had this experience and also I felt so cool. I felt like such a like well traveled person. Did you have Vietnamese for? Uh, yeah, yeah, I had for. Yeah, I think they had for. They had a bunch of other stuff also that I can't really pronounce, so I'm not gonna like jeopardize. <laughs> yeah, but besides that, what are yours? What are some of the tips that you would give people to like travel more efficiently while spending <laughs> less, or maybe not spending less, but like getting the most out of every experience? So you know, as a matter of fact, I started a podcast because I felt like I I should be doing tips. So I started a podcast called Five Minute Travel Tips. But mm-hmm. in terms of tips, you know, my my thing will be like the most expensive is not always the best. Is what you should remember, mm-hmm. and the cheapest is also not always the best. So yeah. there is some common ground. Now, mm-hmm. uh, my thing is like keep your eyes open as to what is happening. So. sometimes one thing that people often say is that um is that the taxi ride from the airport to the city is where you get to speak to the taxi driver and that mm-hmm. person can give you the best recommendations all the time so that is one thing mm-hmm. second thing is 
I always like taking public transport in any place that I am in as long as it's safe. So if you if you go to Tokyo, public transport is the best. Taxis don't need to take them unless it's late in the night. Public transport's not on. But mm. public transport helps you explore a city in a much like better manner. Yeah. And you know how hotels come with breakfast, right? Mm. I say forget the breakfast. <laughs> because I... if because if you have breakfast, okay, it's included in your package and everything. But if you're exploring, you're solo traveling or you're tourist traveling with friends in a particular city, don't have the breakfast because the breakfast is going to give you the same thing. Now, let's, let's assume that, you know, you're traveling through India and you're in Rajasthan somewhere. Yeah. The hotel breakfast is going to be a masala omelet. It's going to be puri bhaji. It's going to be idli sambar. But yeah. in Rajasthan, the pyaas ki kachori is something that you have to have. The jalebi is something that you have to have. If you're non-vegetarian at lunch, you have to have the lalmas. But if you've had a heavy breakfast, you are not going to have space for it. Mm. So, like, you know, a typical thing if I'm in Jaipur will be like, I'll skip breakfast. I'll go to the lassi wala on like MI road, I think it's called. Have a mm. lassi, which is a meal in itself. Then you go have pyaas ki kachori. Then you go to a place called Spice Court, have lalmas. Then you have like the dal bati somewhere. So, you know, that's that that's something that i would definitely recommend skip the breakfast the breakfast has empty calories while you're traveling is what i would say and it's the same thing i agree but i am just like i need to make so that's why a lot of people i think do have that breakfast but oh yeah now now that you've said that uh that is another tip i would give you that you know the fact that you've spent on it and yes i know that you have spent money on something like that but the mm. fact that you've spent on it need not be that you have to finish or like experience it. If you're having a bad experience, save yeah, the remaining the minutes. Cost, yeah, right? it's sunk, yeah, it's sunk cost. Like yeah. forget about it. It's done. And don't let that ruin your trip. Hmm. Correct. That makes a lot of sense. But then, yeah, I think so you, you know, want to... Like, you know, just to add, add to it, like there are many Thai restaurants all over the world, right? And everyone mm. has Thai food. Now, all Thai restaurants are not great. In, in, in Mumbai also, you'll find many Thai restaurants that have been like, it's an Indian Thai restaurant. Yeah. So me and my cousins came up with a rule. If we find a Thai restaurant and we've been to Thailand a number of times and we know what is good, what is not. So we go in there and we order a Tom Yum soup. That's it. <laughs> if the Tom Yum soup is good, we know that, you know, this place is going to do a good job because you cannot, uh, like you cannot screw up a Tom Yum soup. It's the basic thing that a Thai restaurant should know. And if they don't do it, then I'm sorry. Like, you know, let's go to the next one. Yeah. What are some of your favorite restaurants in Mumbai or Pune? Both, I mean. Well, I'll be honest. I have not explored Pune as such, but like I like seafood. So there's, of course, Rahul Seafood in Aund. There is fish curry rice that yeah, yeah. I I quite like. I generally make it a point that whenever I'm in Pune, I don't go out to restaurants, but I like Sandeep Zoshi, who's in charge of our Pune office and who's like, you know, like been with us for... Why would you have seafood in Pune though? Pune has like awful seafood. I know, I know. But it it may be awful, but there are some of these gems that do a good job. Hmm. But there's like, um, the misal in Pune is quite famous, right? So there's, you have Mamlidar misal and a few others. I, yeah. I, I quite like that. The, like Pune has many open air restaurants as compared to Bombay and I quite like exploring that. But... My thing is that whenever I'm in Pune, I go to our branch office and mm. like, which is right next to Good Luck Cafe. And mm. I like, I ask my team that, you know, you decide what we are going to have for lunch today. And then they decide. But when it comes to Mumbai, like, you know, 
I can go on talking about restaurants in Mumbai uh, a lot, but I often read them as okay, which are some of the places that I've been to a hundred times or more, and then only a few come to mind. Like there's like uh, Ghazali in Parla, which is yeah, famous for its seafood. So, yeah, exactly. So that is one that would I would read super yeah. highly. Yeah. But I'll not get into each and every one because then we'll sit here for an hour. How do you feel about like cult classics? Generally, usually all like places you must go to. People that people keep raving about these places in all cities, but usually it turns out most of the times that they're not so great. So, how do you feel about people just hyping up a few places? And how do you like steer clear? How do you stay away from these places when traveling? Because See, without reading the reviews, you wouldn't know. And sometimes the reviews are also like not very yeah. dependable. So I have a rule for that too, I guess. Uh, I guess I'm like a guy with rules, but uh, no, it's 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 like um, you know sometimes I go check out the menu of a particular place. Hmm. If they have a thousand things on the menu, it's probably they won't be like it'll, it'll be a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. But if they have just a few things on the menu, it's great. Like you know, Chinese restaurants from back in the day now have come up with Chinese, Thai, Vietnamese. Tibetan all in one, right? You'll find all menus, and generally, tourist areas in cities will have these extensive menus. So right. that's one way of looking at it. I like you know back in the day, I used to think that you know if there's a queue outside a restaurant, this is what is the famous one. But sometimes the queues are because like you know, it's the halo effect, right? Three people are standing, chalo, the fourth person goes, fifth person goes, sixth person goes. Need not yeah. be that you know it. That's the best restaurant. Out there, so yeah. you have to do your research, like you said, and you have to plan when it's there. So mm-hmm. I often go like because I think I know a little bit about food. I go to Google and I see the food pics from all those places. And of course, yeah. if you're on Zomato, you skim past the like you know stock photography that is there at a restaurant, the first forty photos, and then you go to the next one. Yeah. But new re- new restaurants. Like my thing is for the first three months after the restaurants opened, don't go by the reviews because all your friends and family have posted reviews for that, and mm. everyone's going to give you five stars. I think after that is when the real reviews start coming in, and that's mm. when I tend to visit. Hype always dies down, right? So it's okay. No, I mean hype. Now I'm in Pune for a while, so I've realized how people ever since I was really young kept raving about like Vaishali, Vaishali, Vaishali. But Vaishali is trash. It's so bad. It's not good at all. Like yours, ek to I've never eaten a three hundred rupees dosa in my entire life besides Vaishali. But uh, even besides that, it's just it's just the whole Pune experience. That's why it's famous, I guess. But even besides that. I guess yeah. in the pandemic, one thing we've realized is that we want to be around the people that we love, and I think people go to Vaishali not to not for the food, but it's a tradition in Pune. Yeah, it's it's a legacy, right? And you want to be around your friends having that SPDP, and then yeah. telling your friends how good or bad it may be. So, like you know, I think that is what most places do, and you know, I also have many like comfort. places the food may not be exceptional i may not take like someone who's come from outside and they're saying that this is the best food those are the places that make you happy right and i think the pandemic has taught us this that you know you want to keep going to these places you want people around you because the first lockdown and the second lockdown which was even um, more difficult on each and every one of us taught us mm-hmm. that that you know we want to be around the people so i think it's it's 
powered by that yeah i guess it is i mean travel in general is very synonymous with food uh, what are what have some of your best culinary experiences been in india or abroad wherever oh that's a tough one but see in my opinion like i rate three cities very highly melbourne where i've spent four years of my life tokyo where i've been to a number of times i made it a point that i go there once a year because i like skiing and snowboarding so i go to north of japan for some skiing and then come back to tokyo and then there's copenhagen which is like a cycle uh, cycle friendly bicycle friendly city now um in terms of the best culinary experiences that i may have had i would say whenever i go to melbourne melbourne is all about the brunch on weekends so there are so many cafes that melbourne has melbourne has underground uh, restaurants there'll be secret restaurants and all of that so mm-hmm. like i've often uh, liked doing that when i've been in tokyo i've often so you know people think sushi and ramen and soba or udon noodles mm-hmm. is all that japanese food has but then there's so much to it there's like something called okonomiyaki which is the potato pancake there's takoyaki which is um, the octopus th- right. things um then there is something called there's of course nigiri ramen soba la 100 things so in japan also the street food is great and then you just keep munching on that that's something that i've really liked in terms of the best food experiences like you know i have this restaurant that i really like in bangkok which is on sukhumvit soy 5 which is just like a quick service restaurant called foodland and it's all across thailand but mm. the basil chicken and fried rice that they make over there is incredible so that's something uh, that has been an incredible experience so when i'm traveling i'm trying to find out the local uh, yeah how's the how's the food in copenhagen you were going to say uh, i was quite lucky to go there in the month of august a few years ago and we were hosted by the copenhagen tourism board and oh. they ensured that we went to the best places so copenhagen has well again a three michelin star restaurant now run by reni redzepi which is called noma and he used to run noma and that was the best restaurant in the world then he shut it down took all of his uh, team to mexico and they did like 30 days of like you know a dinner or lunch setup over there catering to meals there and then they came back and started something called noma 2.0 and they have also like burgers that they do so that uh, that is incredible uh, i have not eaten at noma but i've just read way too much about reni redzepi and how he like does everything but we ate at some restaurants which there was one restaurant which was called veranda down shut down indian mm. restaurant like i'm not a particular fan of mughlai food because mm. i find it quite greasy but this was a nine course meal that i've had um with like wine pairings and everything so that was that was incredible and like you know some of the rest things that we did in copenhagen was just explore the city on a bike Yeah. and then there's there's so many experiences that you can have over there during the summers that is yeah. it's just it's just quite easy yeah. yeah so you you will have a great time out there i recently watched this like food uh, travel documentary show it was called raja rasoi aur anya kahaniya uh, i finished watching it recently only it talk it talks about like um, it talks with like food historians about like specific food from specific parts of the uh, parts of the country and uh, it just Taught me such weird trivia, like things you would never think. So basically, we all associate biryani with uh, like royalty, right? But biryani was actually uh, a thing created for laborers. 
when they were working because it was like it consisted of meat and fats and carbohydrates everything all in one plate so it was just a great source of like energy for them so it was all in one pot less effort that is how biryani came biryani is actually not even close it comes from like babylon came from persia so that's how it traveled and then through the whole global yeah. empire it traveled to india so that was really interesting you learn really have you what are some of the um what were some food shows or like travel shows that you watched growing up that were great so well i think everyone's watched chef table chef's table right and after i watched chef's table i started realizing that there's a science behind food and of course while doing that i had a particular interest in cooking so i've like i often attended many cooking classes and then started interacting with people who knew about food and who were not food bloggers because it's a very different thing food enthusiasts and food bloggers so like i started interacting with more of food enthusiasts and then i started learning from them i often have this thing where i feel like i don't know anything about food and like one of my friends uh he runs this blog called yamraj by u m m r e j and i think if i'm traveling anywhere in india i just go to his blog and then i just type out the city's name and then he comes up with like he has such recommendations and how did i meet him i met him at a like a this pop up table that was organ- organized at one of the restaurants in mumbai so mm. it it so happened like that and then when it comes to tv shows like many of the tv shows are scripted and you are seeing the same things on instagram too but there are a few tv shows where they are talking about one place and one place only and i tend to prefer those ones like for example i was really happy with chef table that's why i started watching street food by netflix but i didn't like that because they were covering four or five places in one episode maybe i am more of a traditionalist when it comes to like i am ready to spend those 40 minutes on one episode like you know there was sushi dreams by jiro i think that's what it was called and you know that's how people started learning about japanese food how you pay 300 dollars for a meal and you get only 15 sushi pieces or 16 uh sushi yeah. pieces but yeah those are some of the things but i liked reading about food and then i i recently like you can see my bookshelf behind me there's one mm-hmm. one book that i recently bought which was called where chef seat so it's mm-hmm. basically top chefs around the world and they've picked out cities and then they are like okay these are the places where we eat these need not be the best places but this is more comfort food correct i mean growing up i was an avid tlc fox traveler watcher so i watched a bunch of like parts unknown everyone has seen but i don't know just some uh, guilty pleasures were like adam richmond's man versus food it was just so good <laughs> so things like these were just great they kind of shaped my childhood kind of shaped the way i looked at food and travel adam richmond's actually really smart uh, do you know do you, do you have you watched hot ones no sean evans sean evans has a show called hot ones where he has like all these kind of people on and so the whole uh, concept of the show is that they eat hot wings while mm. they ask questions so adam richmond's episode is great i feel like everyone yeah. should watch that there's yeah. there was one restaurant that i went to in melbourne called crazy wings where it was just chicken wings level 1 to level 20 and 20 is like super spicy right yeah. and i don't think anyone reaches level 20 we ended up at 14 or 15 and my tolerance for spice is quite a lot but i still couldn't manage to go past 14 or 15 and 
that was that was the thing but yeah like if you understand the science behind food you start lo- like enjoying it much more i quite agree yeah. so what are some yeah. of the weirdest foods you eat my uncle's eaten horse well i have this thing where i don't ever want to have horse meat dog meat or snake meat or monkey yeah. so mm-hmm. weirdest food like i i quite like seafood right so there's a lot of mm-hmm. the stingray that uh, i've had um like when it comes to meat i've not ventured past a lot but yeah have had crocodile have uh had snails have like had ants and surprisingly so ants it just so happened that i was at a pop up uh, like a pop up rest pop up lunch i would say at in mumbai somewhere and the chef was like dude you want to try ants i was like okay like give me ants so like towards the end of the meal we had ants and this was like a 24 course meal ants? that went on but for, in like what yeah. form just like ants just like grilled ants yeah quite high in protein how many of them do you eat i mean you they're crunchy right so just two three pieces and then you can okay have that yeah <laughs> how much protein? it's it's okay <laughs> yeah. that's great i feel like we're uh, coming to the end of our uh, podcast uh, wait i'm going to say that again So I think we're coming to the end of our podcast. Uh, we like to ask our guests for movie recommendations or music recommendations that they've really been into recently. If you would have anything to uh, add to that. So you know, um, when it comes to movies or like music, like hmm. my my fiance often tells me that how can you not listen to any music at all? So um, you know, Spotify. if you check my spotify history it's only podcasts and podcasts and podcasts so um like i'll i'd like to give some podcasts and book recommendations instead of movies and music so sure. like when it comes to podcasts i quite like listening to how companies are formed and you know there's a podcast called acquired where they just take one company and they talk about it for 3 hours so that's something that i quite like um I also like listening to Amit Varma's Seen and the Unseen because it's about behavioral science and it mm-hmm. tells you a lot about how like you know why you are the way you are and how things come into being and how we act the way it is. And in terms of book recommendations I recently read Will of the People by Veer Sanghvi and I think that gives you a good see at least our generation people don't know much about India's history. all of us yeah. think that you know we've been this like post 1991 when the reforms came in we all think that you know this is how it used to be before we were born to but it mm-hmm. was not the case like you know even to get like a coke or a pepsi was like it was the gray market it was it was not out there so like you know i think it's always good for people our age to know what happened pre 1991 so i i've been going into that i recently read a book called jugalbandi which mm-hmm. talks about uh the relationship between like our ex prime minister atal bihari vajpayee and lk adwani and then talks about why the bjp keeps winning all the time and how narendra modi and amit shah like came up so that was something that i've been reading off late in terms of tv shows i used to watch a lot of tv shows and i was a huge fan of peaky blinders i was a huge fan of what else like food see i've not i've not been watching a lot of food shows i instead try to go to youtube and just try to learn new recipes and try them out at home 
so yeah. i've been i've been doing that like i in the pandemic i i just i'd hate takeaway because i don't like takeaway just because you a restaurant is wanting to create something of an experience of food but once it comes home it's cold it's not the best and all of that like you know if you're looking at indian chinese the ajinomoto's floating and all of that so you don't you you really don't want to do that so that's yeah, that's I would a, like to give you one recommendation uh, yeah. so there's a travel vlogger on youtube unlike any other travel vlogger his name is damon dominic you should really watch his uh, berlin vlog so he talks so the title of the video is something along the lines of uh, berlin is more than just techno and beer Mm-hmm. create it's a one hour documentary he's made bunch of a bunch of them in various cities in across the world but damon dominic is a great i think you would really like him you should check him out oh, i will i will certainly like if it's like that's a great title also right <laughs> bring yeah. in the views <laughs> yeah i will i will certainly i will say, certainly check that yeah yeah so i think that's the end of our podcast i would like to again thank our listeners for tuning in uh yeah i'm just pretending as if people are like waiting for my podcast but i like to i'd like to be more consistent with this how do you well, manage it's always it's always it's always good right yeah.